Where do you see Morrell's future on this team? If you try and put the fan cap on, if you miss on Otani and miss on Glasnow, and then you trade one of the fan favorites, I, I just think that's a huge yeah. blow. I yeah. think I'm sure if I were a Cubs fan in the year 2024, who am I buying a ticket to come watch? I think he's near or at the top of that list. Hey, what's up, Setup Nation and Cubs fans? We've got Jordan Bastian from MLB.com. Uh, Jordan, super excited to have you on. We're going to talk about the offense today right now with the Cubs. But uh, fun fact really quick before we introduce Jordan, uh, he he likes running with the snowman and the polar bears. <laughs> we just got done with a, a run at 20 degrees outside in shorts, which is just like, you're one of the crazy ones, man. I'm, I'm over here in California. I can't touch that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you got to stay in your routine. You know, I run for the mental and the physical health. You know, I'm trying to trying to be younger than my age. <laughs> there you go. You're doing a good job, man. Um, so before we get into some of the offense, you know, the big glaring thing right now is we are about six going on seven weeks into free agency and the Cubs have Craig Council to show for. It's just been such a weird offseason. It felt like such a strong statement to make out of the gate, followed by nothing. Uh, so, you know, as, as a beat writer for the Cubs, what's what's the feel been like from your viewpoint on all this? Yeah, I, I think it's been encouraging, at least, that the entire market has been slow. Um, yeah. It's not like everybody's moving and the Cubs are the only team not doing anything. I think the Royals have been the busiest team. Um, you know, Dodgers, obviously, I, I think the big thing here is the gap between the top, top available players this year, whether it's trade or free agency, and then the second tier and third tier options is it's a chasm. I mean, it's a huge gap between the best available and the next options. And so I think a lot of the holdup, first of all, was the Shohei Otani market, you know, sure. teams that were in on him, even a small group was going to wait to see what happened with their plan A. And then when that doesn't happen, they can pivot. Well, in there, we saw Juan Soto get traded. So that might've been a plan B that fell off the board for some teams. Um, and then, you know, the next tier guys, the Cody Bellingers, the Matt Chapmans, they're going to try and take advantage of a market where maybe they can get more in this specific offseason than they would in another offseason, just because they're the plan Bs. And I think they're maybe lesser ball players than some other, off seasons uh, crop in that group. And that's not to take away from those guys. It's just usually there's a hierarchy of what's available. They're going to be able to take advantage of it. And I think a lot of teams are maybe going to want to wait that market out to see if they can get that price tag to come down a little. So a lot of it's just this waiting game right now. I mean, there's a couple top, top pitchers available that are mm -hmm. holding up the market on that. Cause again, teams want to see where does, where does uh, Yamamoto go? And then they got to pivot off that. Other pitchers are going to want to know what he gets. Can they use that to their advantage in negotiating? There's just so many little things that the baseball offseason can be unpredictable in this way of, is it going to move fast? Is it going to move slow? It's not like the NFL free agency where the bell rings and everything happens. You know, I think we had also got spoiled. Spoiled is the wrong word when you were dealing with a lockout, but the lockout created like these, uh, these little deadlines that spurred hmm a frenzy of activity. And so I think maybe we also kind of got used to all these moves happening at once in recent memory. And so this, which is kind of a return to the norm, feels like it's really dragging. I think Bryce Harper didn't sign until around spring training 
when he was the biggest guy available, um, if I remember correctly. So it feels like a snail's pace. I don't know if you look at offseason's pre-COVID era, if this really would be snail's pace. I also think we had some really unique available players this winter at the top, top echelon of this marketplace that are creating this sort of domino effect. Well, and Cubs fans too are really used to what happened last year. Winter right. meetings, you get Bellinger, you get Tyon, and then not too long after that. In fact, it was only, it was only two or three days ago this time last year that Dansby Swanson was signed, and it felt like, right. hey, the team is kind of set. Whereas right now, it's like center field is it PCA first base? Who's there? Third base? Who's there? What about the DH? And so I, I want to get into that in just a second. But before we do, what what are your thoughts? on the glass now situation it felt for a second there you know when i was at the winter meetings i was talking to lance brosdowski and we were having conversations and it, it just felt like he was already like going to be a cub just based on where conversations were going and then suddenly they don't get otani they stop talking about glass now dodgers swoop in and really from an outsider's perspective it doesn't look like the dodgers gave up much in fact you would think the cubs would have been able to match that or exceed that Mm-hmm. What, what do you think happened there? Well, partly I think the Dodgers deal was contingent on him signing an extension, we find out, after the deal goes through, right? Mm-hmm. And so part of the reason the Dodgers are willing to give up the players they were is because the Rays had the understanding that this was going to be an extension-linked deal. Also tied to this trade was the fact that Shohei Otani, out of the kindness of his heart, said, you only have to pay me $2 million this year. Uh, and, and his, me started with that. Right. And so his <laughs> whole con- contract structure right. enables the Dodgers to be a little more aggressive on this extension front uh, to reel in a guy like this and to part with some, you know, not necessarily prospect talent. These are guys that graduated from top 100 lists or top 30 lists, uh, but also to give up years of control. You know, I don't know this for a fact, but maybe – given Glasnow's injury history and kind of the roll of a dice as a pitcher as he is, maybe the Cubs weren't comfortable entering into an extension type situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if the, if the equivalents are Ben Brown and Hayden Wisniewski and pitchers with multiple years of control um, who are sort of right on that cusp, but being in the big leagues or being near the big leagues, maybe they're balking at that because that's a big part of where the Cubs need to go in the next few years when you sort of map out the the timeline for their current rotation and what the rotation looks like for the next couple seasons. So I think when you're weighing all those factors, it makes sense to sort of balk at the idea of uh, maybe signing him to a long-term extension or maybe giving up that many years of control if you're not considering an extension as part of it. And also, you know, it's not like Dansby Swanson was like, hey, only pay me $2 million this year to make this happen. So, you know, I think there's so many factors that I think when you sort of uh, work backwards from the Dodgers getting it done, you could see maybe where it looked like a super fit for the Cubs. Uh, but maybe just some of those factors, there is hesitancy there where the Dodgers aren't going to hesitate. You know, they have the resources to, to not hesitate. And the Cubs should have the resources, too. But I think we've seen with Jed Hoyer, it's a very pragmatic value-based approach with a lot of these moves, whether fans like that or not. All right. I want to get into the offense and setup nation. I've already done a video and a podcast on the starting pitching and the bullpen. If you missed that, go check it out. But Jordan, we already talked about center field, first base, third base, DH Mm -hmm. really doesn't feel defined. I think if we're going to define anything, 
PCA in center field uh, most likely feels like what we're going into on opening day. But John Morosi the other day said Cubs miss out on glass. Now they wait too long. They're going to miss out on Hoskins. Well, I look at it from a Cubs perspective and I say, if we get Cody Bellinger, I kind of am okay with that because slot him in at first base. But if you right. don't get Cody Bellinger and you miss out on Hoskins, it's like, what, what are we going to do there? So what do you think is most likely at this point, just from all the things that you're hearing, you're seeing, is it Bellinger? Is it Hoskins? Is it both? I mean, Bellinger should be the top priority. Uh, I think he just made the roster function so well. I recently wrote this on Cubs.com, you know, a couple of reasons why he should be their top priority. And it's just, above all else, the functionality of the roster. You know, they were able to play him in center, uh, move him to first base, uh, have Mike Talkman in center or a PCA next year, and kind of strengthen the platoon split lineups. You know, they were able to move guys around because of Cody's ability to move around. I think when you're looking at PCA, I don't think it's a given that he's the opening day center fielder, but what a Bellinger would do is it allows that runway of development to say, we need to see what this kid looks like in spring training. Did he make some adjustments that he needed to make based on what he saw firsthand in the big leagues? Um, And then you have a guy that can hold down center and whether Pete Crow Armstrong uh, is on opening day roster, joins the team in the summer, is the everyday guy next year, you know, you've got Bellinger who can move to first. So, you know, maybe you're hesitant to sign the Reese Hoskins right now because you want to know is Cody Bellinger, my center fielder, and then my transitional first baseman uh, type player. You know, there's so many of those little moving parts that are involved on that front. But I think Bellinger should be the top priority. If that doesn't work out, there are some other guys that you could short-term center field with. I mean, Harrison Bader's got great versus lefty numbers. You could pair him with a Mike Talkman or with a Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, either way, if you want to buy PCA a little bit more development runway, like I was saying. And then if that's the approach you're taking in center to kind of patch it together and give your give PCA that development runway, then maybe you're a little more aggressive on Reese Hoskins at first base or Matt Chapman at third base and figuring out, does wisdom go over to first? Like there's just a lot of moving parts that are involved here. And until you can move on to those situations, I think you got to know where Cody Bellinger is going to sign. And I think they need to try to make that their top priority because it solves so many of those little questions underneath just Cody Bellinger in center field. I think the biggest fear Cubs fans have right now is yes, there's a lot of moving parts, but in order for the puzzle to start making sense, you have to start putting some pieces together right. and just no pieces have been made yet. So what what do you think going back to PCA, what do you think the chances of him being the opening day starter are? Are you hearing anything within the organization saying that they do want to give him more development? I think the thing that stood out to me was at the end of the year, and again, this is something I just wrote on Cubs.com, was Jed Hoyer talking about how what PCA experienced in the big leagues really reminded him of Anthony Rizzo when he was a rookie in 21, breaking in with the Padres, and how he hit 140-ish with the Padres in his first taste of the big leagues. And uh, Jed Hoyer called it the single greatest thing that could have happened to him because it allowed the front office, the coaches, to sit down with this prospect and say, all right, you've seen the big leagues. You've got to make these changes. And yeah. he spent that offseason doing that and came back, looked like he made the changes, uh, and then the next year at 285 and 
you know, obviously went on to be what he went on to be. And so I think in a similar light, when they're talking about that type of concept with Pete Crow Armstrong, then it's really putting importance on this spring training of they need to see what his swing looks like, what his at-bats look like, what his approach looks like. They know what he can do as a defender. I think there's no question there. It's, is he, was he able to take what he saw in the big leagues and apply it to his offseason work and show up to spring and win a job? I also just don't think it's going to be a situation where they say on day one of spring training, yeah, Pico Armstrong is our starting center fielder. They're going to want to make sure it's a situation where he's going through a camp competing for a job, um, showing what he can do under that type of situation as well. I think right now it all depends on do they sign Cody Bellinger. I think yeah. if they sign Cody Bellinger, I don't think Pete Crow Armstrong is their opening day center fielder. I do think he could have a place on the roster, but I think if they sign Bellinger in all likelihood, Pete Crow Armstrong starts off at AAA and they find that runway to get him to the big leagues at some point. And as we already discussed, then you've got the moving parts where you can make it happen and match up him in his first year um, and really try and get the most out of him and out of other players. And I think that's one of the reasons they brought Craig Council was to try and maximize matchups, situations, where they play, when they play, to squeeze a little bit more out of a roster. Cody Bellinger, you already mentioned it before. I mean, he's a Scott Boris client. He's going right. to get the money. I I don't know. Do you, do you see the Cubs actually being the ones to give him the money that he needs? And if if they don't, at what point, does this front office say we've got to take a risk? We've got to put up that 200 million plus contract. If it's not Cody Bellinger, I, I don't know who else is on the market that you would even look at at this point, but this, this front office just has felt, you mentioned it a second ago, very calculated, very methodical, but some fans are like, I need a risk. I need, I need you to right. throw the roll the dice at some point. Is, is that something you can see them doing with Cody Bellinger? I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I yeah. don't think that if it's going to be well over $200 million, as some reports are saying, I have a hard time seeing that happen just based on the track record. I don't know who they're looking at via trade. You know, if you're reactionary in that way, if you don't get Cody Bellinger, I also could see them saying, you know, we're going to uh, patch it together and maximize with some under the radar signings. And a year ago, that was Cody Bellinger, you know? So like maybe Reese Hoskins is that guy uh, this year that you get on a value deal and get big production out of him. So um, to your point, yeah, I mean, at some point you got to go out of your comfort zone. Lots of teams do it. I also think you do that when it's an environment where you're going from like playoff team to, for surefire World Series team. You know, I think that's something that Jed Hoyer has actually said too. Like the time to do things like that is when you're one piece away. And right now they're multiple pieces away. This is a team that missed the playoffs last year. Uh, so I think you're going to still see that sort of thoughtful approach. And when you think through some of the deals that Jed has done, uh, whether it's trades or the contracts, I do think they've all been pretty good deals. The Dansby deal ended up being, I think, the best one of the four main shortstops last year yep. um, when you factor in his defense and everything else. So um, yeah, it'd be great to see them kind of go out of the comfort zone a little. It, it would have been amazing if they pulled off the Shohei Otani uh, signing. I think we all would have loved that. Uh, that would have fit that description perfectly. 
Uh, but we'll see. I think, again, you don't want to do it for the sake of doing it if that piece isn't right. If the Cubs end up spending $200 million on a player, you might see a Chicago parade the size of the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Right. Uh, weird, weird story this offseason. Christopher mm -hmm. Morrell, right? Starting this, the offseason, it almost seemed like he was the number one piece of trade bait, which a lot of fans were on one side or the other of the coin on that. Then Jed Hoyer says, hey, in the Dominican League, they're going to play him at first base to see if we can get him in first base. He didn't play a single game at first base. He's only played third and short. And now you're just kind of sitting here wondering, you know, where is he going to fit in on this team? And honestly, I think a lot of fans would like to see Christopher Morrell get a shot at third base. And at the very mm -hmm. least, I don't think it's a bad fit for him to be at DH, but is he on this roster when we break camp? Is he on, is he in the starting nine? Where do you, where do you see Morrell's future on this team? I think he's in the lineup. I think he's on this team on opening day. I, I think at this point I'd be surprised if he was traded. I, I think if they had gotten Shohei Otani, I think he became more expendable because of the positional question marks. Um, I think once you don't get Shohei Otani and the roster becomes more of a, again, we keep kind of going back to moving parts. When the roster now is functioning back in that way again, I think you got to keep him. I think he's, whether he's DHing or, or playing third base, I think this is a really exciting young player with a bunch of years of control. And whether he's swinging and missing or launching a home run, this is a guy you pay a ticket to come watch. And I think at this point, just if you try and put the fan cap on, if you miss on Otani and miss on Glasnow, and then you trade one of the fan favorites, I, I just think that's a huge yeah. blow. I yeah. think I'm if I were a Cubs fan in the year 2024, who am I buying a ticket to come watch? I think he's near or at the top of that list just because of the energy and the excitement. Uh, you just got to deal with the 30% strikeout rate in the process. Uh, it, it reminds me of Javi a little bit. Like you just didn't know what he was going to do. You wanted to buy a ticket to go watch him play. Um, so I, I would be surprised. I think uh, Craig Council had some great things to say about Morrell at the winter meetings about this kid has, uh, you know, kind of forced his way into the lineup I think when you look at his season last year, if you projected out over 500 at bats, 600 at bats, I think this guy was like a 40 homer pace. I yeah. think he was sort of on like a home run rate, like Mookie Betts. You know, it's just again the the other numbers are lacking um, in some departments. Uh, but he's an exciting young player, and I think he should be in the lineup, like you said, even if it's DHing, which he clearly found a comfort zone with last year. Agreed. Let's end with a really fun segment here. I'm going to give you six names of free agents that are still out there. Mm -hmm. I want you to give me on a scale of one to 10, how likely they are to be wearing a Cubs uniform when the season starts 10 being they're definitely going to be wearing a Cubs uniform. One being ain't no way. And then followed by two or three sentences to support your hypothesis. Does that sound good to you, Jordan? Sure, I'm just going to go five with every single one of them. There you go. <laughs> give, give me at least a 4.5 or a 5.5 in there. All right. All right, let's start with Justin Turner at third base. Uh, two. I, I don't I don't see that one. Um, not, nothing against Justin Turner. He's a great ball player. I think a couple of years ago, was it last year when he became a free agent? Um, mm -hmm. I think I would have said that number a lot higher. I think right now they found – if they don't hit – on uh, Matt Chapman at third, then I think they found a combination they liked last year 
between Wisdom and Madrigal actually surprised me. Uh, pound for pound, Madrigal was actually one of the better defenders in baseball at third last year, which was kind of shocking when you look at the advanced right. numbers. Um, and then, like you said, uh, talked about maybe it's the time to run Morell out there for the first month, yeah. and if it's not a disaster, he's your guy. So I would okay. think Turner would be very low. Jorge Soler at DH. Another one that I would put pretty low. I, I think is, okay. uh, we'll say three. I'll put it higher than Turner, but still low. I think, again, I you want the DH to be a flexible position, um, and given the rest of the roster construct, I think you would be making the roster more inflexible than a Craig Council would want. So I would say low. Even with all those home runs, he would be launching. That probably answers this next one, given the un- inflexibility of this as well. J.D. Right. Martinez for DH. Yeah, I'd probably say the same thing. I think if you're going to run a full-time DH out there, just give to Christopher Morell see what happens. Um, I think they – there's – situations where maybe you would want to bring in a, a, a veteran for experience and you know he could play a role behind the scenes as well as providing pop in the lineup and some of those guys that you're mentioning you know like a Turner I think JD Martinez could be valuable in that regard but I think they have that in-house with the Swan they have the leadership component in-house um, okay. and I also think you could get more out of the DH with a with some of the guys they already have I, I think you're gonna go high on this one you already mentioned him Harrison Bader, center field. With the caveat of them not getting Cody Bellinger, then I think he would shoot up, I put it probably six or seven, just on my, I would like him as a target for, if you're wanting to do a a patchwork center field situation to buy Pete Crow Armstrong time, I think you've got Talkman against righties, and then you would want to pair him with someone who can mash lefties. Harrison Bader provides good defense. And he has a track record of really hitting lefties well. Um, his splits are are really good along that along those lines. So I would like that situation again as a great way to say if PCA is not ready, this is a good way to to fill that gap short term. Okay, same scenario here. If Bellinger doesn't get signed, what about instead of Bader, Michael Taylor in center field? Um, I would I don't think I would like that as much. I think I'd, I'll just throw that one as five. Uh, but. Again, I think it would serve a similar purpose, but I like Bader for his his peripheral numbers better for that situation. Last one, kind of interesting, not a name a lot of people are talking about, which is surprising to me, but CJ Crone at first base. Yeah, he. I think he was a, a target a couple years ago. Um, that would be an interesting one. I haven't looked too hard into that. I think I've been pretty Reese Hoskins focused for first base if they don't get Bellinger. Uh, yeah, I'll, you know what? I'll just throw the dart at five since I, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other, but that's an intriguing name to, to keep an eye on for sure. Okay. Jordan Bastion with MLB.com, uh, beat writer for the Cubs. Thank you so much for jumping on here. Uh, how can people, especially not just look at your content, but get subscribed to your newsletter? Let me know where people can go for that. Yeah. I mean, obviously you find myself on MLB.com, uh, Cubs.com. In the headline, you know, my newsletter will also be linked within the headlines on Cubs.com. You can find it there, uh, find the links within those articles to subscribe. You can find me on Instagram and threads, Bastion MLB. Um, I'm not huge on social media. It's just not my thing. Um, but I'm there sparingly. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on here and talking Cubs offense 
We'll see what the team looks like come March. Thanks so much, man. All right. Anytime, man.